Allow me to say uh, Happy New Year to you as well. Happy New Year. <laughs> Good to be with you. Um, I want to start this morning by uh, sharing a story about a young lady who grew up in Hawaii. And uh, at age five, she came to know Jesus and uh, got involved uh, very intimately with her church there. Um, she uh, grew up, uh, became quite a surfer, uh, was uh, uh, on a fast track of uh, uh, surfing glory. She went out with some of her friends at age 13 onto a, a crystal clear ocean uh, searching for some waves. She went out a little farther than the rest and in a, a blink of an eye, a very tragic accident happened um, and a shark came and took off her left arm. Happy New Year. There she struggled with uh, knowing what to do in her shock and dismay. She, with the help of her friends, made her way back to the beach. And while she lay there and the paramedics were called, she recalls an EMT whispering into her ear, God will never leave you nor forsake you. She is a grown woman now, and she reflects back on those days, and she knows and recalls that being able to turn to Jesus during that gravest of moments gave her a sense of peace, a sense of calm, and it helped to save her life. In fact, two years later, at age 15, she won a surfing championship. Some of you will recognize Bethany Hamilton's story. And part of what it does today is uh, helps us uh, know and be um, oriented to the fact that God, as she discovered, that God is one who is close. God is one who speaks, and God is absolutely faithful in His relationship with us. Our passage this morning informs us about God's activity through a portion of the life and ministry of Elijah. Now, Elijah is to prophets what Babe Ruth is to baseball, what Frank Lloyd Wright is to architecture, what One Direction is to boy bands, and what Reese's Peanut Butter Cups is to candy. <laughs> Elijah is the ultimate. He is the best. He is legendary in the realm of and the list of Old Testament prophets. But Elijah's life was neither ordinary, nor boring, nor easy. In fact, where we find him in our passage today, we find a prophet, one of God's towering figures in all of the scripture. He is lassoed by fear. He is intimidated by a woman named Jezebel, and he is running for his life. Some of us know what it's like to be bullied and intimidated in the schoolyard or in our workplaces, to be afraid to share our opinion in public conversation because we sense a, a blanket of hostility covering us. Elijah, too, was one lassoed by fear. He also was emptied by exhaustion. He was absolutely fried because of the work that he was engaged in. In fact, on this journey, he lays down to sleep not once, but twice. We uh, know what it's like in life to be exhausted and to be frayed and fried. Parents know what it's like. Students know what it's like. Uh, maybe you're serving in a family with a health need. We know what it's like to be tired of feeling that you're the only one living out 
Your faith in Christ in your workplace or in your school environment or in your neighborhood. Elijah, too, found himself in a similar situation, lassoed by fear, emptied by exhaustion, and engulfed in a fog of discouragement. In fact, he wasn't just disappointed. He was throwing in the towel. Yesterday's victory on Mount Carmel in fire was today's pile of ashes. And he is discouraged, and he is distraught, and he is sorting through all of this to know what God is up to. We discover with Elijah that God meets us in our fears, in our fatigue, in our discouragements, because God is close. We discover with Elijah that God enters into our darkness and he cuts through the silence because God speaks. And God gives shape to what seems formless. His purposes will not be derailed because God is faithful. And so with that, let us read together 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings chapter 19. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. This was right after uh, the incident on Mount Carmel and the uh, consuming of the fire, the consuming fire that falls from heaven to uh, lap up the altar. Verse 2, so Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Verse 3, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there, while he himself went a day's journey into the desert. He came to a broom tree, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the tree and fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was a cake of bread over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? Verse 10. He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore through the mountains, or tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. 
Then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? Verse 14, he replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said to him, Go back the way you came, and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazael, king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel, Mahola, to succeed you as prophet. Father, with this hearing of your word, we ask that our ears might be opened and our hearts would be softened to both hear and respond to all that you have to speak to us today. You spoke to Elijah. You speak today. May we hear you well, and may we respond gladly. Lord Jesus, we ask this in your name. Amen. Amen. God is close. Elijah's life demonstrates, if nothing more, uh, than there's clear evidence in the mountain peaks of our life, of your ministry, of your journey with God. It is evident when God is, is present in those mountaintops. But it's in the valley lows when we have to hold on to the assurance of God's presence with us. God is close. In fact, James chapter 4 verse 8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. God is close. Elijah came to Beersheba. Beersheba was the southernmost point of the border of their land. And he came to that place, the Bible points out, because he is ready to leave his ministry and his calling behind. He had been a failure, so he thought. He had been unsuccessful in that which he thought he was intended to be and to do on God's behalf. Elijah thought that this was the end, but he would soon find out that it was really the beginning of a renewed season of life with God. And in that moment... When he cries out to God under the broom tree, God, take my life because I'm no better. I've been no more effective than those who have preceded me. The people around me are unfaithful and I alone stand alone. There are no others. Have you ever felt that way? And here he is. And in that moment, we see that God is close because not only does God receive his discouragement and receive his complaint, but God nourishes him in the midst of his journey. In fact, uh, he is told that this journey he is embarking on is too hard for him. He cannot do it in his own strength. He cannot do it in his own wisdom. He cannot do it exactly the way he had done it before. But God's help comes and nourishes and feeds him, restores him, and is able to fuel him forward in his journey and what is happening here. You see, God, he wakes up, the angel pokes him in the shoulder while he's sleeping, and he wakes up and looks over, and lo and behold, God is baking pancakes right there for him to eat. One of the traditions in our home almost every Saturday is uh, to get up, and one of my favorite uh, all-time birthday gifts was a pancake griddle. And uh, I'm always looking in my life for things that that can help prompt memories for me, to connect them to to Bible events or to help uh, me teach my kids or just for my own um, 
uh, nourishment. Um, as I was cooking pancakes uh, Saturday, just yesterday, I guess. Boy, it seems like so long ago. I was cooking pancakes, and I had eight on the griddle here, and I saw the smoke rising, and they began to bubble, just that perfect texture. And as I began to flip them over, all of a sudden, the Lord reminded me, wow, Elijah woke up one morning. Everybody else was asleep. <laughs> what, how nice might it be to wake up and have pancakes cooked right there for you? And so Elijah finds himself here waking up, and God is baking bread right here in front of him. I hope for the rest of my life when I bake pancakes that I'll remember God's nourishing touch in Elijah's life. But here Elijah finds God's nourishment because the journey was too long for him to make on his own. You see, when you and I launch into a project or we accept a ministry that is more challenging than what we initially supposed, we discover that the journey is too long. And you know what? Most of the time it's supposed to be. Because if we're doing our life and fulfilling our ministries in simply the limitations of our own strength and capacity, then where's the room for God to work in and through your life? Your journey is too long for you to do on your own. And so God, just like Elijah, He comes beside you and He nourishes you so that you will have His strength for the journey that God is marking out for you. Where do you turn for sustaining perspective and patience and provision? It is God's Holy Spirit that provides it. And then what is interesting, too, not only is do we see God being close in His reception of, of Elijah's frustration and, and in God's provision and nourishment, but we see that God develops Elijah somehow. We're not told exactly how it works, but in the process of 40 Days. You see, he gets up in verse 7. He is told to eat for the journey is too much. And he gets up and he eats and he drinks. And he's strengthened by that food. And he travels 40 days and 40 nights until he reaches Horeb, the mountain of God. And there he went into the cave and spent the night. You see, God develops Elijah in the midst of 40 days. 40 days is often not just a literal 40 days in the scripture, but it often points to the completion of a cycle. You see, the, uh, when Moses went up and, um, and got the uh, Ten Commandments, he was gone for 40 days and 40 nights. How many days and nights did the floodwaters rain down from heaven? 40 days and 40 nights. And at the end of that, the cycle was complete and God was preparing something fresh. Moses was gone up on the mountain getting the, uh, the commandments 40 days and 40 nights. The children wandered, the, the Israelites wandered in the desert 40 days or 40 years and at the end of that cycle, something new was prepared and ready. And so during this season of 40 days, God is, seems to be doing something in Elijah, developing him through this process just like he does you and me. There was a time in our lives when acquiring a purchased good could take several weeks, maybe even months. When I was in college, I was stunned to find out the the woman who used to cut my hair had a, a shop in, in her home, and she told me that uh, uh, I was just remarking how interesting and beautiful her home was, and she said, well, we ordered this home out of a Sears and Roebuck catalog. I said, what? <laughs> she said, yeah, it took several weeks, and they delivered it, I think she said by train, and, uh, and then we had it all assembled. And there was a time in our life, in our world, when acquiring a purchased good took weeks, sometimes months to come. 
we live in a day and age when things are so instant, instantaneous. And even I read this week, I, I, I'm always interested in the, uh, the New Year's prognosticators. What is to come or expected or hoped for in the new year? Some online megastores are envisioning a day when you will get online and you'll order whatever your desired good is and it'll be delivered at your door within 30 minutes. Could you imagine that? Wow. Instant. That is what I call fast. But you know what? Our discipleship and our spiritual growth is not instantaneous. God works and develops us over a process of time, and it requires daily living. It requires the entering into the valley lows that are dark and deep and shadowed. It requires our celebration on the mountaintops. And it requires the days in between in the journeys from those places. God is close to Elijah. God also speaks. And isn't it good that God speaks? How horrible is it when we have somebody who's angry at us and gives us the cold shoulder? When somebody gives us the silent treatment? Not so with God. God is one who speaks. And He speaks with a gentle whisper. We went uh, yesterday, our kids and I and Susan went uh, over to Six Flags in and, and Vallejo. And one of the, the places I was, I've been in several times. Um, I wasn't all that thrilled to go in, but it only takes about 10 minutes. It's a little butterfly uh, exhibit. And you walk in and you walk through about 16 doors, it seems. These sort of layers of prevention to keep the butterflies inside. And I hate human places. I so love living out here away from the humidity. But you walk into this place, and you're like, ugh. It's just you're swallowed and engulfed in humidity. And, but it's beautiful because these butterflies are fluttering around and landing on leaves. And just ahead of me, uh, another man was walking, and he didn't even notice. But these butterflies, as they gracefully, I mean, butterflies are interesting, all right? I, I ended up having, that was a, the most interesting part of my day yesterday was the butterfly exhibit. So something I wasn't looking forward to turned out to be quite fun. Because the man right in front of me, I watched this butterfly gently flutter through the, the air and so quietly land on his shoulder, he didn't even notice. His wife had to point it out that there was a butterfly that landed on your shoulder. Uh, the last time I was there, we had two butterflies. I don't know what they were doing, if they were attacking each other or something, but they were on my backpack and they were just going crazy. But this particular butterfly yesterday landed so softly, so gently, and everybody, when they saw it, remarked at how wonderful it was. I like to think that maybe that was the way God's gentle whisper was to Elijah. It flutters down in the midst of his discouragement, in the midst of his grief, in the midst of his disappointment, and there this, this thin, out of the thin silence, or even within this thin silence, this gentle whisper of God emerges. What do we hear when the voice of God speaks? Well, in the voice of God, there is a tone. There is a tone. Jesus, you see, draws us to himself and encourages us. The, the devil is the one who condemns and pushes us away. In God's voice, there is a spirit in the voice. You see, there's a gentle quality about it, a patience, a love. There's a content Anything that, that you sense God saying to you always has to correspond with the Scripture. 
And if it doesn't, you know that it is not from God. But God is one who speaks. God is the one who meets Elijah and is close. God is the one who speaks. And finally, God is the one whose purpose is neither fragile nor derailed. You see, God is faithful to complete that which he has begun. That is his great promise in Scripture. You see, God continually works ahead of us to prepare us for that which is next to come. It was while Elijah was asleep that God was up baking bread. It was while Elijah thought everything was over, that his ministry had failed, that Jezebel and Ahab had won the day, and the people and the tide would never turn. But yet, in those moments... That's where Elijah realizes that God is prepared for leadership of a non-Israelite people. He has prepared leadership for the northern kingdom of Israel. And in fact, he had already prepared and selected the one who would succeed him as prophet. You see, while we're unaware, God is always at work. God is always working ahead of you. Because the journey is too long for you and I to figure out. We must go with God. We must go in His strength and in His encouragement. It is God, the God who laid the foundations of the, the earth in creation, is the same God who shakes these very earth in this encounter with His presence. It is God who announces that He is near with the rock-shattering wind. It is God who burns with an intense holiness because He redeems His people, you and me, so that we might be living holy lives. Have you encountered the living Christ? Do you speak to Him? Do you take time in your day and in your life to listen to Him if not, let today be the day. What better day to start a journey with the living Christ than the new day, the first Sunday of a new year? I could think of no better day. There's a tattoo artist in Kansas City who um, grew up in uh, the Soviet Union, uh, well, his childhood at least, he has uh, um, nodules that grow in his throat, and about every three or four months he requires surgery to have them removed, and he, he's known as Whispering Danny. And he'll, he'll transition from a normal speaking voice into a whisper. And back and forth, his voice toggles back and forth as he speaks. And he's a man who he has the full sleeve tattoos, and uh, he describes a night when he and his drinking buddy were, were out and... Uh, and this man uh, went off on his motorcycle and uh, had a terrible accident, and um, no one thought he would live. And um, uh, they ev even came and said uh, that we, we would like to harvest his organs because there's no response. This has been months and months and months. And he said that night, some stranger showed up and said, we're going to have a prayer circle, and they're in the hospital. And this, he, whispering Danny at this point was an atheist. And he said... What do we have to lose? So he gathered the prayer circle, and he said, at the end, the man said, Amen. And Whispering Danny thought, well, seems like the appropriate thing is to also say Amen. And in the hours after that, he began to reflect. He said, you know, I participated in this prayer by saying Amen. And I began to analyze the prayer about a living God, about a God who touches and, and can heal, and about a God who shows up in the midst of the right time. And I began to, to think about those things. And the next day, guess what? His friend Shane woke up 
and uh, even comes in this interview that I saw online and sat down with him. Whispering Danny, uh, as he describes how he opened his life and God touched his heart to receive faith, he, he says that life in Christ is not a religion, and he says it this way, but it is a genuine interaction. You get answered, you get guidance, you get everything you need. The psalmist in Psalm 84.10 says, Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. Today you're invited again on this first Sunday of 2014. You're invited to think again and to plan ahead for meeting with God for this year, knowing that He is close, knowing that He speaks, knowing that God is faithful. As the deacons come, let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your good word. Thank you for your living speech to us. May we respond because we love you and we thank you. Amen.